0: Hi Poole fans, and welcome to Pure 4 episode 201. Well, it's not been the best week since we last spoke, as Pompey crash out of the FA Cup against Paul Cook's Chesterfield. Join the podcast today, Zandy Mitchmore. How are you, Andy? Hello, buddy.
3: Yep, two thoroughly enjoyable games this week. Losing to a, a National League side and then uh, just completely owning a Leighton Orient side 2-1 in uh, the cup that... Do you know the name of it at this point? The Freddie Webb Trophy. I think that's its next iteration. Do you know what it is at the moment? I don't actually have it in front of me. Something about cars. Webuyanycar.com trophy. It's like, it's like Bristol Street Motors or something. But yeah, another another famous win in the Bristol Street Motors non-pizza trophy So to get us through the midweek. So yeah, it's been a, an interesting week. Thank you, buddy. How are you?
0: Yeah, not bad. Thank you, mate. I've actually finished for a full four days off so i've got thursday friday off monday tuesday off so it's actually quite nice to have a little bit of time off mate so i'm feeling pretty good apart from the massive panic at my work emails in going oh my god Hugh's off for on a massive holiday who's gonna possibly pick up his work so apart from that now the panic's over i'm back company will be insolvent by the time you finished off your your annual leave that's it i'm going away for four days and the whole place is falling apart apparently but Sort of feel valued slash annoyed at the same time, but that's how things go. How's it going, Freddie Webb? Hi, I'm not bad here, thank you. Yeah,
2: pretty rubbish weekend due to the football, but aside from that, I managed to get myself back on my feet. Watched Killers of the Flower Moon at the cinema. Excellent film if anybody hasn't watched it. But yeah, Pompey on the pitch. uh, Poor in the most important game, unfortunately.
0: Freddie, what's it about that I've given the film away? I want a 20-second review from you?
2: Essentially, it's an insight into... um, Well, uh,
0: America around the time
2: of the West, but also um, Native American territories. And, And there's lots of morbid and devious deals going on and all sorts of intrigue and all sorts. It's a very compelling film, but very long, three and a half hours.
0: I actually, sounds like I'm actually into that film, Freddie, so I'm going to check that out. So... You didn't do too bad. I put you on the spot there. I thought you were going to do pretty naff with that response, but you're straight into to it. To be so. fair,
2: I, 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 as we've seen from the quiz, I'm used to bottling things under pressure, but I managed that one all right.
0: That's it. Internet movie, Freddie Webb. I like that. Okay, boys, let's get cracking with what we're going to do today. So, first of all, we're going to review the game against Chesterfield. Following on from that, we're going to talk about the epic win at Leighton Orient. And then we put a question out to you guys. And we said, how much should we read into Pompey's cup performances? And then we've got Tash Everett from Charlton Live who joins us to talk about, obviously, poor Pompey's dead cert win other weekend against Charlton. Right, let's get going, boys. Chesterfield. Now, me and Freddie both predicted a draw in this game. Some people message to say that we were being too pessimistic. But lo and behold, unfortunately... Spoiler alert, if for some reason you didn't watch the game, don't know what it's on about, and unfortunately we lost 1-0. Let's get started from the start then. It wasn't the best start, was it? The ball sort of gets played up. Chesfield get the ball forward quite quickly, try and close down Will Norris, sort of cannons off the attacker, goes out for a throw. Did look a little bit like in this game, that that shook him a tiny bit, didn't it Andy? Do you think that had an effect on his confidence going forward? I don't think it
3: would have had an effect on his confidence. I think in terms of setting the tone, it's obviously a pretty unnerving start, but I don't think it would have shaken his confidence for the game. Although you have to say that probably wasn't his best game for Pompey. I think he'd be very free to admit that himself. But uh, yeah, it didn't set the tone brilliantly. I kind of looked up for my drink and we were already very, very much on the back foot, camped in our own first third of the pitch. But I wouldn't say it had a long-term effect on him in the game. I think that's just... Coincidental? They harried with that high press all afternoon, didn't they? It was, a, it was a coherent theme and they just wanted to set their stall out early and did so pretty successfully, yeah.
0: pretty. the midfield for Chesterfield caused Pompey all kinds of problems in the middle, didn't they? Obviously, we started an unchanged side. Do you think there's a little bit of, how am I going to say this? Do you think we approached it? maybe expecting this not to be too difficult a game or or do you think it's a case of a little bit of fatigue creeping in or just maybe a really class Chesterfield side in the centre managed to do as one over?
2: I think it was two of those factors that you mentioned. I do think fatigue and tiredness played a factor largely later in the game, particularly in the second half. But I think a lot of those Chesterfield fans fans and players played at the occasion an awful lot. Tom Naylor was immense in this game. Winning the ball back constantly, playing the ball out as well. Ollie Banks, the attacking midfielder, played incredibly well and had a lot of good link-up with uh, Will Grock up front, who also proved to be a handful. Like you mentioned, the high press was there. They've, they were ahead in two of the dual metrics in this game, winning the ball back constantly and not giving Pompey's midfield a sniff or, or really a chance to settle into the game. It always seems like Pompey were under pressure for a lot of it and probably didn't deal with it very well, unfortunately. And I know there are obviously the injuries, which we'll get onto, which obviously stifled them a little bit more, but they really didn't get a hold of this game and play well at all, to be honest.
0: You spoke about the injuries in this game and obviously Regan Paul goes down quite early in the game under a challenge from Will Grigg. Andy, first of all, do you think the challenge is fine from Will Grigg that caused the injury? And secondly, Sean Maguire coming on to replace Regan Paul. How much of an effect did that have in the game that Pompey weren't able to, to pass out the back so easily? What are you saying
3: about our man Sean's ability to, to play short, intricate passes here? That's libelous what you're implying there. Yeah, I think to answer your first question, no, I don't think it's a foul on Regan Paul at all. I think Grigg has done him in the first part of that move. And I think actually Will Grigg is getting the better of the exchange Without any need to foul Regan Poole, I think it's an unfortunate sort of clash of legs, but I don't think there's anything in there that should have led us to have a free kick, to be honest with you. I think it was totally legal. And in terms of Sean Raggett coming on, obviously a very different type of defender to Regan Poole. So, reduced some of my confidence in our ability to play out from the back, as you have commented there. And Yeah, I'm not sure what else to add to that, mate. I I think Reganpool is a top end of League One at minimum centre-back and I wouldn't put Sean Raggett in the same bracket over the course of multiple games at this point. So definitely not ideal for Raggett to be coming on that early in the game. Having said that, Raggett's afternoon, he wasn't any poorer than any of the other players around him, to be honest with you. Uh, I think the back line as a whole had a bit of an off day, rafferty had an off first half i didn't think that you know that many of the squad really covered themselves in glory and it's going to be very easy for us to to say that today and obviously we're not doing a pile on it's been a hell of a run over the last few months that is still ongoing in the league and sometimes coincidentally the entire team is going to have an off day and that does seem to be what happened so it's going to be easy for us to pile on that but i do think we have to say that chesterfield played really well they played really really well and their squad, we were saying last week. I think realistically, that squad would be, for me, comfortably mid-table in League Two at this point. And I don't see it as us losing to a National League side. I see it as us losing to a League Two team, which is still very much not ideal, but maybe not quite as horrific as uh, as losing to a mid-table National League side. But I mean, as Freddie said, Naylor. I mean, when did the clocks go back? A couple of weeks ago. So, I mean, it was pretty unfair that we were expected to line up against him on this side of the Greenwich Meridian uh, when the you know clocks go on back and it's cold outside and it's dark. If we had him later on in the competition in April, then maybe we'd have had a better result against him. But Ollie Banks had an excellent game, looked dangerous and full of energy every time he came forward. Will Grigg, I don't normally have that much fear of, to be honest with you. I think he's had a few poor seasons. Uh, in league one in that sort of level in my head he's a very very good national league striker probably a league two striker these days but had a really really strong 90 minutes and yeah jacobs had a really good game as well as did mandeville uh, from dead balls so a lot of their attacking players turned up with energy and took ownership and took control of the game early on just pompey weren't able to wrestle that back really at any point in the 90 minutes
0: would you say it was actually looking at this game okay we talked about you know the Norris like charge down I'm going to call it a little bit of a shaky start but actually the start of the game from Pompey wasn't terrible was it? They had the opening chances so Devlin had that cut back for Paddy Lane unfortunately went over the bar but that's a really good chance at the start of the game and I thought maybe the first 10 minutes Pompey looked like the more likely team to score in that sense do you think we just needed to get a goal to try and sort of settle things down and quieten the home supporters and just maybe put a bit of wind out the side of Chesterfield?
2: Yeah, I thought it was a very even, it was even to start with. Like you said, the first 10 minutes up until about quarter of an hour, 20 minutes, it was quite even. Pompey needs to get some high quality chances in there. They had a few decent efforts on goal, but it wasn't many. Chesterfield had a few as well. The problem was, I think, in the midfield, they needed to stamp their authority on this game and control possession and not let Chesterfield win the ball back so easily and utilise the press as well as they did because once Chesterfield were on the ball they, they attacked with pace and directness and grit and Pompey didn't seem to cope with that very well so that's how Pompey needed to approach the game obviously an early goal would have been nice but the lack of control in the midfield was probably the major thing that I noticed throughout the first half
0: Andy we talked about the lack of control from midfield that Freddie just touched on there but You've got to get Colby Bishop more involved in this sort of game, haven't you? Especially against a National League side in order for us to be successful well, in any game, I suppose. But particularly in this fixture, he only had that one chance, really. The header that was sort of quite a looping header. He does really well to get up, gets it on target. But it's an easy save at the end of the day from the goalkeeper. But why do you think we were unable to get runners off Colby Bishop in this game?
3: Ah, oh, I, if I knew the answer to that, I would be doing something officially for the club in an official capacity, rather than being a keyboard warrior behind a screen chatting about it on a podcast. No, genuinely, I don't know. It was probably the quietest game I've seen him have for us in the considerable past. I, I genuinely wouldn't be able to name a, a game where he was more anonymous in the last, you know, however many months. And yeah, the link-up play just wasn't there, even when you know Paddy Lane had the ball on the right and and cutting in the situation just didn't present itself for whatever reason and i don't think bishop was doing anything particularly wrong he was just anonymous and to be honest with you i came away from the game thinking he looked quite tired quite understandably uh, i thought he looked quite leggy and i mean he wasn't even on the bench for the late norrian game on the tuesday so hopefully with a full week of recovery he's he'll be grand for the weekend again but yeah just didn't didn't get half a half a chance really except for that one header that he did pretty well with to be honest with you didn't get a sniff Uh, whereas normally even against the league one opposition you'd fancy him to you know I don't know what his normal xg per game would be but you expect him to get at least one good chance per game I remember saying which game was it we were a goal down at half time was it Peterborough one of them, Peterborough, something like that, or Wigan, or one of those games anyway. And I was talking to someone at halftime who was doing the, the Sky video gantry thing. And I said, I'm still confident we'll come back because chances will fall to Bishop. And then sure enough, he scored either one or two in the second half, I think, because he, he just gets those chances. And uh, it did not happen on this occasion. So yeah, if you've got the answer, please feel free to interject because I am
2: at a loss other than fatigue. On the XG point, Bishop averages in the league, at any rate, 0.53 per 90. And in this game, he only had the 0.11 from the header. And it's he didn't really seem to impose himself on the defenders as much as he usually did, which was a bit of a concern for me. But I also think a lot of it was the fact that there wasn't a lot of play around him. And then the crossing wasn't as good either. Pompey's crossing was poor throughout the entire game. And there, and that was down to a, a few particularly bad individual performances in the second half. So yeah, there, there wasn't the creativity in front of him, but he didn't do as much as I would have expected him to do either.
0: You're saying about that, that, that Pompey's crossing was poor. There was a chance when Sparks put it into the box, and he put it in behind the in behind the defenders. Is that sort of ball that you want your strikers to take a chance on and and move forward? And I th- think that Bish was really. Hung out to dry a little bit in this game. He had no runners around him. He looked a little bit isolated. We talked about how Devlin played in the last game and played quite tight to him. You have to sort of go where Bishop goes, and you know, be there for the knockdowns. And Terry Devlin wasn't quite the same in this game. Didn't have the same impact. It was quite obvious that John Messina decided to bring on Yengi and sort of play two up top. That also didn't really seem to have any. Positive effect. Going back to the game, Banks has a shot from distance that goes wide. Sort of alarm bell was there a little bit as well. It's a really nicely worked move in Chesterfield. He moved the ball nicely and played out to Banks. And he said how lively he was in this game. He looked like he was going to score a goal. I thought at some point during this match, and eventually the goal comes, doesn't it? And it's a free kick here from Liam Mandeville, ex Doncaster Rovers. And let's be honest, everyone knew about about how good he is at set plays. Even the commentators, who I thought were pretty poor in this game, managed to talk about how he had a really good set play. And I don't really know what Will Norris is doing here, but I can only assume that when the ball goes in, he's either made his mind up to come and get it, or he just thinks the ball's going to be a little bit slower and loopier than it is and just sort of misjudges it. Andy, what do you think about the goal itself, without sort of over-analyzing it, I suppose, maybe it's just a classic mistake and Tom Naylor does what he does and mixes it up and gets in for the goal.
3: Yeah, the classic Tom Naylor header. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time we'd seen that at Pompey, I'd still not be able to get a Starbucks, I don't think. Yeah, I I don't know how much analysing there is to do for this. It's a split-second decision from Norris and he makes the wrong decision and pays the full price for it. It's a good header from Naylor, but it's just a split-second incorrect decision from Norris isn't it I think that's I would struggle to analyse this in any more depth than that Uh, you could say that Naylor wins the header a bit too easily there in the box but I think if Norris is on his line decent chance of getting to it having said that one of Norris's strengths that we talk about is using his height to come and claim crosses but yeah just I think he misjudges it mate and you can see from where he tries to intercept the path of the ball he's this sounds very stupid to say out loud but he's clearly not expecting anyone to get in the way of that in of that path of the ball before it reaches him. Whereas, yeah, I don't know if Naylor came in from a blind spot or if Norris was unsighted because Naylor was behind a Pompey player while he was starting his run towards the ball. But you could see that Norris just had no idea that Naylor was attacking that cross. Four decision, 1-0. Classic Tom Naylor. Nice of him not to celebrate too much. Still like the bloke. And it was pretty deserved, really, wouldn't it? You'd say even at that point where we'd had a couple of chances... I don't think it was against the run of play, or you know, a real, you know, getting a cheap shot in when they'd been on the back foot for the entire game up to that point. I don't think it was completely undeserved by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Michael Jacobs had a nice run, didn't he? You can tell things really weren't going our way in the second half. I thought Chesterfield looked like the more likely team, if anything, to add to their goals really and, and take a quite comprehensive lead and. He moves down the right-hand side. There's, at one point, before he gets the shot away, there's about five Pompey players around him and nobody's managed to get a get a foot in. He's beats two of them. There's two more in the centre. There's another tracker. And then he gets the shot away. And luckily for us, really, it takes the deflection and goes over the bar. Otherwise, that's two now. And then our jokes about a, a nailer and Jacob's double happen. It was quite poor defending from us, Fred. And is there any reason why we... You can see from, I don't know, what happened.
2: I think a lot of it was down to the fact that the, I don't think the back four knew where their partners were going. They were just very unresponsive to wingers attacking them with pace. I thought Dobra caused a lot of problems on the other side, let alone Jacobs on the right-hand side as well. And Oli Banks, we mentioned earlier, caused lots of issues purely by driving into the box. They just didn't know what to do with runners in this game. That was a a massive issue. And the substitutions at the back didn't necessarily help. I didn't think Raggett had a bad game, but I don't think he had a good one either. He didn't impose himself. Swanson didn't have an effect going forward at all when he came on for Rafferty at half-time. He didn't do that well defensively either. And then after the change to bring Yengi on to go to up front, I don't... I don't like the back three purely because you're playing wingers at wing backs, but I do understand the only reason why Massinho changed it was to put two up top and chase the game, so, which is fair enough to an extent, but it didn't work, unfortunately.
0: yeah, it didn't work. One of the substitutes did have a chance though. Kamara came on in an unorthodox position, I think you could fair to say and he had a chance from a Paddy Lane cross where he cuts back inside on his left foot, puts a decent ball in the box. He's not got a lot of pace on it, but Kamara manages to get his head to it. I think he's just trying to flick it across the back post. Unfortunately, it just sort of bobbles wide, doesn't it? And that sort of just summed up Pumpy stayed in not it, Andy?
3: Yeah, I think that's fallen to the wrong man. And again, I don't think he's really expecting that to come to him. I think it's Banks in front of him. He's expecting to make the interception to the cross. And I mean, if we're being honest, I think... He'll look back and he's got to do better with that. I know it's it's not easy to get power onto that ball from the angle he's at at from that slightly crouched position or leaning over position. But if it's a you know, if it's a game you're going to get something out of when you're one-nil down, if you're not taking that chance, I think that's when I was thinking, oh, this realistically probably isn't going to happen, is it? Because I mean, if that forced a bishop, you think it's he's at least working the keeper. And uh yeah, just was not our day in front of goal with the limited chances we did create. It has to go
0: back across the keeper there, doesn't it? He has to head the ball the other way to what he tries, rather than trying to flick it, because it's a really hard technique when the ball is coming towards you to try and flick it the same direction. To get any power on it, you just have to head it back across the keeper, really, in order to score, Andy. And unfortunately for that, I think that could be the reason.
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's easier, I think, to actually put power onto that ball if you do head it back across the keeper as well, it's the whole, what is it? Every action has an equal and opposite reaction or something. So if it comes to, and there's things like coefficient of restitution, like how it maintains its velocity off his head and loads of boring academic crap. But I think he's long story short from all that academic rubbish is that it's easier for him to get power on that header. If he goes back across the keeper and sort of partially heads it back towards the way it came from, but in the split second between it going past Ollie Banks and Kamara realising that it's actually going to make its way through to him, he probably doesn't have time to do the calculations on that sort of thing uh, in his head and do the statistics on it. So it's a split second decision. But again, with hindsight, I think you're right. You've got to go across the keeper, easier to get power on the ball, more likely to force him into a save. And even if you don't score the head yourself, that save, you don't know where it's going to come out to in the six yard books when there's plenty of other Pompey players in that danger zone. So, Yeah, that's as soon as that didn't go in, I was thinking this probably isn't going to be one of Pompey comebacks for the season.
0: All right, let's just wrap this Chesterfield conversation up unless anyone's got anything else to say.
2: I do have a few little bits and bobs. The poor performance showed up in the analytics in certain scenarios, being behind in some of the dual metrics, offensive and defensive duels in particular. But the passing was off in the midfield an awful lot. I think overall... Pompey's progressive pass accuracy was 69.47% when the average in the league is 81%. Crossing showed a similar story, over 22% accuracy in this game compared to the league average of 40.6%. When your passing in midfield is that off, then it's no wonder that Pompey failed to create a lot of clear-cut chances in this game. And I was really disappointed with some of the players. Gavin White came on and looked completely off it, looked nowhere near like he did when he played for Oxygen United, to be honest. Didn't complete any of his four crosses. 78% pass accuracy as well. Lossable nine times, a lot of which was high up in the Chesterfield penalty area. I didn't think Kamara had a good game either. Only having his one shot. The 33% pass accuracy and not completing a cross either. There was a lot of problems. Not to, I don't think many players covered themselves in glory in this game, to be honest with you. But... Rather than being annoyed about it for a long time, I've just drawn a line under it. It's a shame that we lost to a non league side, but like Andy mentioned, on paper, they're a football league side. They could probably challenge for the playoffs in League Two with the current setup that they have, I think. But it's just disappointing with the manner of the defeat, I think. Pompey didn't show themselves up at all, to be honest.
0: Let's move on to the next game.
2: Oh, there's one last thing, I'm afraid. We have to do Guess mm. the XG. But for the most depressing game that is humanly possible. So a very sad game of Guess the XG for this one. What I want you guys to guess is Pompey's total expected goals for the game against Chesterfield.
0: Andy, you get to go first this week. Okay,
3: so we've heard what Bishops was in isolation... Kamara, what well, the other chances? is Lane pull back, let a Kamara header and Lane's attempt at the near post. I don't think I'm missing anything huge. 0.51. I'm going to go
0: with a
2: 0.42. Andy's nearly bang on there with his guess. Probably his XG total was 0.53 in the end, so very marginally off the... Largest chance in the entire game when this loads. They granted it to both equally: the bishop and Kamara headers at 0.11 each, and then the rest of it accumulated from there. But yeah, I, I, I'd rather we do guess the XG when something actually happens. But never mind.
0: I'm going to take a week
3: off for this, Andy. You're getting too good. Yeah, it's the revision. I actually am unemployed at the moment. You guys don't know this. I've been really committing to my my XG stats. I've actually. Saved the money over the last few months through work and decided to buy the new, more expensive version of Y Scout. And uh, I've been putting in a bit of legwork. So I'm pleased to see that it's, you know, there's, it's coming to fruition, all worth it. Um, I did enjoy There was a, there was a slight meltdown, wasn't there, from certain aspects of the fan base on social media after the game, which seemed a little bit unnecessary, if I'm honest. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw a lovely message I received from the Frat and Faithful.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, I did see yeah. it.
3: Well, it came into my private my my um, private Facebook profile apparently because um, we lost one nil. I'm a seven stone wet rat lookalike, and it made me laugh. You know, Will, who who messaged me when he saw it, and basically I used to be about 103 kilos, which is about 16 and a bit stone, and uh, worked quite hard to lose a load of weight. And Will said when he saw that I'd been called a seven stone wet rat lookalike. He was like, I bet your first reaction was to be pleased that they called you thin. And it was like, that is so correct. I do so much cardio. I've worked so hard to get called a seven stone wet rat look like. I was quite pleased. Yeah, we were uh, all slightly unnecessary, really, to be honest with you. Yeah, we got told that we hide behind a fake account, even though we do a podcast every week where all our personal accounts are tagged in it. <laughs> so unless we're going behind like some serious alias stuff here, it's a... Uh, yeah, people got really angry after this game. Or I say, I say people. A small number of people got very angry after this game. Very uh, very odd one. So yeah, if I get jumped next time in the brewery and we have a little PO forecast hiatus while I, I go to A E, we've got our prime suspect, lads. We've we've got a suspect.
0: You're not gonna get you're not gonna get jumped though, because Freddie Webb knows my tie. So he would just jump in and just leash unleash yeah, that all that I'm, beardy
2: I'm, power he's got. I'm a proper on. roundhouse kick man, he wouldn't he wouldn't go near you.
3: And my friend Will is actually Thai. So, I mean, between you, you've got him, got it covered.
0: Yeah, Freddie's going to be teaching him some of his native martial arts there. So, hold back, Will. Let Freddie Webb take care of you. But, all right, boys, let's move on to the beautiful game against Leighton Orient. John Mazzini makes quite a lot of changes in this game. I think that's obviously why we, m- most fans know this already. But, if you're still wondering why, it's why we didn't make a lot of changes against Chesterfield. We had quite a quick turnaround to Tuesday and he had his eye on resting the squad for a week after the Chesterfield game in order to, you know, just rest people up. So there's a lot of changes in this game. Young, he started up top. Denver Hume made his glorious comeback and, and managed to get a start as well, which is good to see for him, you know, getting some game time. Sean Raggett starts at centre-back and without piling on the lads, I mean... It's, it's mildly piling on him. I'm a little bit worried about how he gets sent off in this game because we're going to talk about with Tash from Charlton Live about Corey Blackett-Taylor and Alfie May playing for Charlton, etc. And for those fans wondering, he's not going to be suspended for that game. It's just what I like to call an ice hockey challenge. He just comes across the player. He takes him out. First of all, I want to know, is it a red card, Andy Mitchell? It's Stonewall, right?
3: Yeah, it's a red card as far as I'm concerned, I had zero complaints watching it live. I had zero complaints watching the replay and I have zero complaints having watched the highlights. So, in short, no, it's, there's no complaints. It's it's a red card and I think we're fairly fortunate the suspensions don't apply to the league because if Poole isn't fit, realistically, I think Raggett will start over Towler, I would imagine, this weekend against Charlton. And, yeah, one of the things that Tash will speak about I always get my tenses confused here because we record in such a strange order but one of the things that Tash will speak about is how Alfie May when he has struggled it's when he's been up against a very physical centre-back which you know potentially could play to Sean Raggett's strengths but then at the same time there is the distinct potential we're going to see a rerun of him getting absolutely ruined by Blackett Taylor as we have seen in the last season but yeah it is a red card It's unfortunate because it would have been nice to see him get some minutes under his belt before realistically coming into the league team. Unless, of course, it was sort of a a playoff between Raggett and Towler, who were both playing for a place on on Saturday's team sheet, in which case Towler was probably absolutely thrilled to see it happen. But uh, yeah, it is a red card. He just gets the wrong side of his man. And I think the, the Leighton Orient player knows exactly what's happening, plays it fairly smart, but he does get sort of pulled back and clipped, is completely within his rights to go down. It is a red. and uh, to be fair to Pompey, for a you know there's a few minutes afterwards where they looked a little bit oh crap, we're down to 10 men here, understandably. but by the time we reached the midpoint of the second half, things were so composed that you you'd almost forgotten that Pompey were down to 10 men in the game. So I think we do need to give some credit where it's due there. The players that remained on the pitch compensated for being a man down, I think, really quite well after the first few minutes of adjustment.
0: Freddie, watching this back, do you think it's fair to say, if you in, in his defence, I suppose, Sean Ragg's defence, that trying to cover for Riley Towler, who steps up from the play and sort of gets done by the through ball in, in some sense. He sort of cancels him out and Raggert then does that thing where he just tries to make the challenge, to sort of bail his defensive partner out. When we look at who potentially comes in to to start at centre back if if Paul's out for a little bit longer than we than we want to, is it fair to say there that maybe the, the initial mistake there is with Riley Towler?
2: Yeah, I don't think I don't think both defenders cover themselves in glory with that passage of play to be honest. Because after the through ball, Aaron Drillen's clean through. It's either a case of you allowing him to get the shot on goal, or or do what Raggett did and literally just cut across him, take him out, and it's a clearer card, isn't it? I mean. He gets done for pace again. I mean, we've seen it several times before. And I don't think that pairing particularly works, to be honest. On Paul's injury, he's he's he was due to have his knee scanned today, according to Andrew Moon. And he said in his uh, musings that an update is expected to be tomorrow on how bad the injury is. He was off crutches on Monday, so it was, in a sense... Not deemed as bad as some of the other injuries, nowhere near as bad as, for example, Tino Andrian's injury at the moment. But we, again, you have no idea what the scan will crop up. On Saturday, I just expect senior to pick Sean Raggett purely for the fact that he probably thinks he can potentially man-mark Alfie May as long as he doesn't get on the ball, and as long as it's a lot of crosses, Raggett will be able to deal with it. Well, as long as Raggett doesn't get on the ball, as long as May doesn't get on I the was ball, to say. his feet. You yeah. don't
3: want to play Raggett saying he'll be fine as long as no one gives him the ball for 90
2: minutes. <laughs> as long as Alfie May doesn't get the ball to his feet and is able to skin him or run the channel around him, he'll be fine. So if you force Charlton to play in a load of crosses in the air, Raggett's fine. He'll be able to clear those up.
3: But with Blackett Taylor I- on the wing, they're not going to be doing that. They're going to be attacking aggressively from the ring, running yes, into the box and drilling low crosses in or cutting back and trying to hit far corner.
2: Yes, that, that's that's why it would be incredibly hard for Pompey to do that in the first place uh, I just don't I don't think the senior trusts right Tyler that much either I don't think I don't think he likes his play from the back as much so I'd assume he would just go for the experienced head I think as the choice between them I think as well as left winger centre back depth is probably something that Pompey will have to look for in January I think
0: let's be able to say more positive positive. Looking at the first goal there from Pompey, it's a really nice move, isn't it? I'm not sure if it's it Stevenson or is it Stuart White who brings the ball through centre midfield? One of the Pompey midfielders, you guys can correct me in a second, brings the ball through midfield really nicely, beats a player, draws another player in, and then Zach Swanson does what I want him to do in this position. What we've seen him do well, for you know most of the times when he's played for us, and he calls to the ball, he puts his arm out, he directs exactly where he wants the ball to be played, the ball gets played through from there. He cuts a really nice ball back in. I think it's Yenge, who takes a touch, lays it straight off to Sadie, who just like shimmies it a little bit and he just bangs it into the bottom corner and the keeper's right. It's 1-0. It's a really nice work goal, to be honest here, from the guys there. And um, I'm particularly happy there, Andy, with how Swanson played and how he called for that ball, got played through. Is that what you want to see?
3: Yeah, it is a nice team goal, to be honest that. I think, say, the... I don't want to say he owed the team one, but I think just before that chance, he'd essentially taken one off the laces of Jewett White, who would have had a very, very, very high XG opportunity to get off the mark for Pompey. So I think Sadie needed to do something to to prove a point almost after after spurring that chance slightly earlier on. Um, yeah, it's a lovely ball in. Who is it at the far post, did you say, does well? Is it Yangi at the far post, does well to take a touch, plays it back to Sadie one-touch, bang, far corner. And it's one of those goals that makes it look very, very easy to score. And uh, you wonder why other games go by where you know you do the full 90 minutes and you're not able to uh, to do that at all. Yeah.
2: That I mean, the comparison well. of the technique from Sadie for that goal compared to the miss with his wrong foot on the laces, it said a lot, doesn't it? But no, lovely finish in the end. And what Pompey deserved, I think from that little bit the the, the link up play was particularly good I thought Harry Drew White had a decent game in this especially since he hasn't played somehow he hasn't played for Havens even though that team's completely wretched and only got six points all season that loan move needs to be revisited but no it was nice to see Drew White come in and perform incredibly well and Monsigno praised him for playing sort of in a wider area after the racket sending off as well so that was nice to see
3: I think credit to Gavin White as well. If we're being fair here, I thought Jewett White and Gavin White were the two that put in performances that I really noticed, especially considering that after Raggett got sent off, we basically played three centre-backs where Swanson was on the right, Towler centre, and Hume on the left, playing left centre-back. And then White as Kamara were almost like wing-backs, so uh, immediately following the, the sending off. And I thought he adapted into that pretty well. And yeah, I know we're playing against the Leon Orient team that weren't even full strength themselves and are a team that we should be expecting to beat on any given day anyway, really, if we're being serious about promotion. But even with those caveats, I thought, yeah, Gavin White had a, a good game as well. And that probably does deserve a shout out because I think he's, for some, in some situations, he's become a bit of an easy sort of target. And don't get me wrong, he's not set the world on fire. But there are games where other players have also not shown up, but a lot of ire gets thrown Gavin White's way, as it's fairly fashionable, I think, at times to do so. But he played a lot better in this game for me.
0: Leighton Orient had a nice chance where the balls worked nicely down the right. I suppose the only criticism you could say is that maybe she got, a bit, got out a little bit quicker to the crosser, but he puts a really nice ball in the box. And the Leighton Orient striker just sort of, takes that sort of touch where he sort of tries to clip it round. He sort of uses his heel and flicks it. He goes all the way around, sort of hits the outside of the post and goes off. And that's a little bit of a warning shot really there, wasn't it, Freddie, for Pompey?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Loretta started to get a little bit more into the game. It was expected to a certain extent with the way that Richie Wells' side likes to play. They like to pass around the midfield and create a lot of chances. And they took their goal in the end from... Joe Piggott incredibly well when he was able to score on the turn. So no, it wasn't a completely easy game for Pompey by any manner of means, but I still think, even with the rotated side, they managed it reasonably well.
3: I mean, Orient could have scored before that. You mentioned the flick that hit the post, which was a really nice touch. Even from that play, the ball went wide off the post, uh, sorry, out to the wide onto the wing from the post and Orient won a free kick. And even from that resulting free kick, Piggott on another day, would have buried it. it. Sort of, there was a little bit of pinball in the sort of was it six yard box? Maybe slightly further out than the six yard box. So even at that point, you're thinking there is a goal threat here, and we know that Piggott is, you know, feed the pig and all that jazz. You know, he's going to take some of those chances you offer up to him. I think he's a perfectly decent league one player, and yeah, it wasn't an overly big surprise when when they drew level, um, based on the run of play at that point, and based off the fact that you know. He is going to take one of his chances if you keep giving them to him.
0: There's a lot, he has a lot of time in the box, doesn't he, to turn and control the ball and shoot for his goal. You think maybe someone should have been a little bit tighter to him, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Pompey do go on to score a second goal. And yeah, that's it really. From the goal, it's some nice high pressing, really. We win the ball back nicely. The ball's played through. It's a nice touch. I think it's, it's Yengi who lays it off to Kamara, who's the on the on the runner gets through, and I'm really happy to see Kamara get a goal, because there are some probably fans who've been piling on on Kamara a little bit, and to be fair, okay, he's not been amazing in some of the more recent fixtures, but he's a young player on loan, playing a lot of football compared to what he's used to. He's got the talent. He's going to come good for us, I think, across the, across the season is my prediction right now, and it's just really nice to see him, isn't it, Andy, getting that goal?
3: Yeah, 100%. He's one of the, another one of those players, I think, has been a a bit of a fall guy at times. And I just, I really don't think his performances have been that bad over the season. I think because of the way he plays the game, when he has an off day, it's very, very obvious. It's much more difficult for that type of player to blend in. And if you know you're having an off day, you know, make the easy pass, maintain possession, and you can kind of camouflage yourself in the rest of the team. And you just can't do that playing in the role that he does. So yes, it was nice to see him get a goal I think the keeper makes it very very easy for him with no attempt to narrow the angle whatsoever. You know, I don't know what again what the xg would have been for that, but I think plenty of non league 1 players would have fancied themselves from that position whether or not that's correct or not. I I don't know, not my place to comment, but hopefully that gives him the confidence to kick on because we've seen sparks of really good play from him and we've seen previously players who have started off fairly well for us petered out taken a bit of stick from parts of the fan base and then gone and really succeeded elsewhere. I don't want to see that pattern repeat itself because I do think he's got something about him. You know, those impact players are what we need to sort of light up a a boring nil-nil in the 88th minute, just a moment of brilliance. And he's one of those players that you don't want running at you when you're a defender. So yeah, I think nice to see him score and give the lad
2: a break to a certain extent he seemed to simplify his game a lot in the second half which I liked like Andy said he was more di- he was more direct he was able to run at defenders an awful lot more and he mentioned that to Andy Moon in the interview where Massinho basically had to go at half time for not run- running at defenders as much and not running in general actually that was one of the quotes and that's where I think Abu Kamara could do really well as a pu- we thought he'd be an impact player when he initially signed and has proved that in certain scenarios. And if he's got the skill to beat a defender or make the right run down the channel and latch onto a few ball, he'll do very well for the rest of the season. But he has had performances where he's just disappeared. And it's it's shown up a lot due to the fact we don't have a lot of cover in left wing either. And he's been asked to play there an awful lot in comparison to where he thought he would be. So... No, I'm glad his performance performance improved in this cup game. I was very happy for him.
0: I'd like to say that I feel like a lot of the people piling on Kamara are also the sort of people that I'm going to say have had Marcus Harness Syndrome, a player that we all kind of rated quite a lot at Pompey. And I really hope that people just sort of dial it down a little bit because it comes to the stage with me that when you've got a flair-attacking winger at this level who's got talent, who can create something if they were that consistent all the time, they would be a championship player. And I feel like you're banging on about, well, we're banging on about this a little bit, but I would be interested to see about the correlation between people who piled on Marcus Harness for going disappearing in, in some games and then popping up and creating something in other games and making goal contributions. And the same people who are sort of piling on Strog. Everyone can criticise a player. Everyone has time off and has a game off, sorry, etc. But I would be interested to see the correlation of people who are piling on Kamara who just don't like the sort of player who isn't going to be physical and getting stuck in all the time, etc., and doing those sort of things, but can ultimately score or create a goal.
3: Yeah, just one final thing on that game, I guess. It was nice to see uh, Schofield put in what I thought was a, a pretty decent performance. He made one really good save fairly late on, uh, sort of a almost point blank, tipping a header over the bar. And after that point, looked a lot more assured sort of in terms of shot-stopping and a lot more confident. And some of his distribution was really good as well. So, yeah, for a, a player who, like I said last week on the podcast, I have fallen out in, fallen out of love with thanks to his exploits on my football manager save, it was quite nice to see in real life Schofield put in a decent performance because uh, I don't think we've seen the best of him up to this point. And I feel very reassured I don't think there's anything he can do about the goal that we concede. I think a lot of that is on Towler for not being close enough to Joe Piggott. And I think that everything that Schofield could have done right in this game, he did do right. So yeah, worth worth saying that, I think. And also uh, Kamara got absolutely wiped out by the referee at one point as well, which uh, is not 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 what you want to see. I think in the week after we lost Pool, and Andurin in the FA Cup game. For To briefly think that we might lose Kamara as well after being body-checked by the referee, it would have been a bit of a, a hard pill to swallow, that one. But thankfully, seems to be absolutely fine. But yeah, the referee put in sort of the hardest tackle of the match, um, potentially worse than Raggetts. Glad he's okay. And then finally uh congrats to Sam Follerin. I think it was his first team debut for Pompey and came on and looked bright and again we see this is a decent amount in the EFL trophy players coming on trying to make an impact in the early stages of their career. really nice to see that happening again so yeah, good on him go well, Sam hopefully we get some more minutes in uh, in the rounds to come
0: yeah, that's great to see isn't it some of the young players making an impact all right let's move on. We put a question out to you guys and we said, how much should we read into Pompey's cup performances? And thanks to everyone at Mesherstin. We really appreciate it. It makes the show. So let's get cracking. Pompey Peanut in and says, strength and depth providing to be good for the first time in ages. A completely different 11-1, even when losing a man early. Got some cover for Scully at left midfield and maybe more direct, confident runners at right midfield to cover Lane Sorry, Gavin, but you pulled up a zero um, so far. And we're golden. Play out Pompey. It's nice to see us using some strength in depth, I suppose, to, you know, good to see that. I suppose it's late in Orient. Some of the squad players, you know, Sadie getting a goal, etc., coming on and doing well. We've already spoke about them, but do you think it's just the case that we're still lacking a few players, I suppose, in order to make this a real promotion winning team, Mandy. I don't think I'm in a position where I'd say that at this point, when we're top
3: of the league and haven't lost, I don't. I don't think I would say that. No. Uh, Obviously, there is going to be a cumulative fatigue effect over the season. Obviously, we are going to pick up injuries, and you know, you just hope that doesn't happen before the January transfer window. So, ideally, Messino knows where you know gaps are that need patching up based off injuries or, or lack of performance. I think the the white comment. Yeah, I think he showed up against Leyland Orient, as I said, and we saw a couple of glimpses. Was it against Reading? He had a couple of moments where he created something and the final product wasn't quite there, but he, there were glimpses. And yeah, I'm hoping that that turns into something. It is a confidence game, as we're seeing from the England cricket team at the moment. Once your confidence is gone, very difficult to get it back in an in-game environment. So yeah, hopefully we do see that. I... I think there's always going to be places where you can identify that you could be stronger in terms of depth but I really don't think we're that badly off at the moment and I don't it's it's difficult to say that when we've just seen such a poor performance in the the cup with what was essentially our first choice starting 11 but I don't think we're that thin on the ground and honestly my bigger concern is that our first choice or our first replacement center back is Sean Raggett that to me that's a bigger concern 'Cause we are still creating a lot of chances from the wide areas. I think Kamara is doing all right. I think Sadie's had a few quiet games, but he's just that means he's just due a great game. This is the power of positive thinking. Yeah, I don't think we're that thin on the ground compared to some Pompey fans, I think. I could there be completely are, there wrong. Are,
2: there are some players who are gonna come back from injury as well, which would help. Marlon Pack's still earmarked to come back for the game against Blackpool after the um the Christmas break. Ogilvy is expected to be back around Christmas. Lowry, according to Andrew Moon, potentially could be back at the end of the month as well. That helps in the deeper midfield position. I still think, in terms of depth, there are only two positions that are are crying out for slots, and that's centre-half, because I don't think... I think the drop-off from Paul and Shocknessy to Raggett and Taller is quite big not just because of overall ability, but also the play in possession. They're very slow, in to be able to switch the ball and play in between the fullbacks on it, on the ball. And at left wing, especially, because I would rather have Gavin White play on the right-hand side. I didn't really like him when i have seen him play on the left. Some of his underlying numbers were good when we analysed them on the extra, but he has to put them together at some point. Anthony Scully's injury... He's still going to be out probably around, I think it was like Andrew Moon said it was around January, February time. So that's a long time to go without another left winger. I think with Kamara's performances sometimes being hit and miss, I think he would be suited more as an impact player and starting sometimes rather than week in week out purely because this is his first League One season and he's not used to it yet, I don't think. So that's the position. If I, Those are two positions where if you had to look at something, then those are the two, I think.
0: Fred, you spoke about the fact that you analysed Gavin White's underlying numbers on the extra, looked pretty decent, etc. Where do you feel that it's going wrong for him at the moment by not contributing with goals and assists?
2: A few reasons. Um, I think confidence is obviously a big one. We mentioned that earlier. Jack Hancock also pointed out the fact that looking at the way he turns in his sprints and also on the ball, because he's doing it the wrong way, he's losing the ball an awful lot. Also, I've seen him try and rush plays as well. He almost wants to get the ball uh, get the ball to his feet as soon as possible, then play it out and then pass rather than being a bit more considered. I know he'll probably get battered by some for not playing the ball quickly enough, but if you're not stringing your passes together, maybe another touch is a bit better on that front. Some of his crossing accuracy and expected assists were per 90 were reasonable. It was just that he hadn't put it together yet. And the problem is if he's the player behind lane and he's due to come on and make an impact, he has to make an intact in a limited space of time. So, fingers crossed he he can. I'm not writing him off yet, but he hasn't been as good as I thought he would be, to be honest.
0: Josh Lishmester, and he says, not a lot can be read, but it's always good to see a bounce back from a defeat. It's bogey team Charlton. That's the acid test. We're going to come on to Charlton anyway when we speak to Tash from. Charlton live and there's a lot to be said there about how they're going to play against us but do you think it's fair then Andy say not a lot can be read about these cup performances in total and we just just move on from there
3: yeah I think the FA Cup you just write it off as a everyone had an off day hopefully everyone got their off day out of the way on the same day we go again cliches all of those things so there's no point in my eyes, getting too caught up on that. It's a one-off game. Magic of the FA Cup. I didn't really feel that much magic on Saturday, to be honest with you. But yeah, it's one of those cup games where it can happen against a team where they're full of former Pompey coaches, former Pompey players. It happened. We need to get over it and look forward, not back. And I think that's one of the things that's going to be really important this season for Pompey is being able to look forward and not back. Both not getting carried away by what they've done so far, um, because, you know, it counts for nothing if there's no end result at the end of the season. So we need to look forward in that respect, but also not getting caught up when it doesn't go quite right, because we are going to lose games. And the response to that is going to be really important. The way you optimize that is by looking at the next game, optimizing what you can do in terms of execution versus where it's gone a bit wrong, but not dwelling on things where it hasn't quite clicked, because that is going to happen from time to time. But I think you can identify areas of improvement even when things are going brilliantly so I mean for for us at the moment it's that first half an hour or so that's almost a danger period for us going behind in the game if you look at our goals scored goals conceded from the half an hour mark onwards in the game from 30 minutes until the end of the game we have scored 20 and we've conceded three over the course of the season. That is an overwhelmingly positive statistic, obviously, but it's that first half an hour where we've shown to be a little bit more fallible. So yeah, look forward, don't look back, identify the problem area. It's not taking a rocket scientist to identify where we have had a slight problem area so far this season in terms of starting slow. Cup games in the past, except for the Bristol Motors Street leasing trophy. Other than that, we look forward. Oh, and the Hampshire Cup, obviously. Very important too, uh, to get some youngsters. And I, I mean that, in terms of getting some youngsters running about. That wasn't me being facetious or sarcastic. So, yeah. League's the focus, boys. League's the focus.
0: Bring the Hampshire Cup home or we riot. That's all I can say about that. Open top bus
3: on South Sea
0: Common. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so funny if you did After that. After a
3: famous win against Newport Isle
0: of in the final, I am there. Getting knocked out in the playoffs without winning a game, but... Hampshire Cup celebration, in the bus, open top. Let's go for it.
3: I quite like that we play in that tournament. I don't see, you know, you don't see any London teams playing in the South West London competition, do you? And you don't see Ipswich playing in the East Anglia Trophy. I really like that we're in the Hampshire Cup. I think it's such a good opportunity for for sort of fringe members of the squad and the younger players, but that's a, probably a different content for a different day.
0: Justin K meshes in and he says, we have the depth to get through the next few games until the guys get healthier back from suspension. It's actually a question. Was Chesterfield more of a minor hiccup? I think we've gone over the Chesterfield game, but Freddie, I want to know if you think we've got the players in the squad depth in key positions now to, to get us through these games until, say, Paul's out for the Charlton game or whatever. Do you think we've got enough depth to cover the likes of Pack being out, still Paul being out potentially if it's out a bit longer? and in obviously being out for a bit longer again. I think we have that for most positions.
2: Um, in the midfield I think we're fine. Pre-phrasing of question that might be coming up. I think since Devlin didn't impose himself really at all in the Chesterfield game I thought he struggled but then looked good against Reading. It might be worth playing Alex Robertson for forward in the 10 and then playing Ben Stevenson deeper in the midfield just to control a little bit the game a little bit with his football experience, I've also liked him in the small cameos that I've played. So we've got the depth in midfield, definitely got the depth in right back. I know someone's had an off day against Chesterfield, but who didn't? I think that position is pretty much sewn up. Left back, we will do when Ogilvy comes back. Up front, you're basically going to play Bish the entire time, and so you're not going to have a second or a third striker that off come on that often. So I think up front... We're pretty well stocked. right And right wing, I think we're doing okay as well. It's literally just, I think at centre-back, we need another ball-playing centre-back. Somebody who's more comfortable on the ball, I think. And then at left wing, we don't have an out-and-out out left winger behind Kamara for a while because Scully's injured. Probably won't be back until February if he takes another month to get going again from there. His underlying numbers were actually poor before his big injury, which was... Quite concerning. So, if it let's say it takes another month for him to get going when he comes back in February, that's March time. So, that's the position of need, I think. But no, I, I'm pleased that a lot of the players did well in the um, in the cup game on Tuesday. I was quite impressed. So, yeah, I'm confident in this depth more so than any other time of Pompey being in League One. I think, I think it's it, it, to say looking at it and to say, we only got a few minor things to sort out is pretty good, I think.
0: George Slash messaged in and says, Personally, I think the performance against Chesterfield was absolutely terrible. We are not at it at all and I thought Bishop had his worst game in the Portsmouth shirt. He was nowhere. But normal service has been resumed with a win against Orient, so I can't complain. I think that's fair enough. I think with Colby, we spoke about this earlier on, but it wasn't really giving much support or service or, or anything up there. He looked a bit leggy. Hope for the week off, Allows him to resume to normal Colby Bishop. Get back in the goals against Charlton, our bogey team. And hopefully we go from there. And again, if we're going to lose a game in the Cup, it, it's probably the best way, isn't it? Just get us out of all competitions except the Hampshire Cup and League One. They're the only two I give a shit about, basically. Let's bring them back home. <laughs> Owen messaged in and he said, I don't think we should be too worried about the early FA Cup exit. It takes the pressure off the unbeaten run of us. And it wasn't in the league, so no drop points, which is always a bonus. And the Pizza Trophy, or the Bristol Rovers, whatever it is. Do they reckon they sponsored it, by the way? is it, Are Bristol Motors anything to do with Bristol Rovers?
3: I don't think so. I mean, they're in Bristol, but uh, other than that, no, it's nothing to do with Bristol Rovers, I don't think. They're not, a, they're not a minor sponsor, then, of Bristol Rovers. Not that I know of. Missed opportunity there, though. They went big. Rather than just going Bristol Rovers, they've gone for the entire trophy, which uh, I respect that.
0: I know Joey Barton said before he went, that was where all his ambition lied as well. Going back to what Owen said, and the Peter Trophy, or whatever it's called now, would be nice to win again, especially as this could be our year to go up. Why not go up with a lower league double? It's an interesting point. Freddie, do you think we should go up with the the double, the Bristol Motors and the Motors Trophy and League One Double?
2: I think my opinion on that trophy is more biased than other people. I genuinely don't think it matters. The one big bonus it gives Pompey, I think, is the fact that it, give, it gives games to the second string players and the youngsters, and to be able to keep them sharp throughout the season, it gives a benefit to um, to a deep run in that competition. But I would, I would not feel any happier if if Pompey if Pompey win the league or get promoted. I would feel no happier if they won the double. I don't think, to be honest. But that's just my personal opinion.
0: Only if you get the treble with the Hampshire Trophy. Forgotten Pompey Goals messaged in and said, put Stevenson into midfield and push Robertson forward. Luckily, Freddie always paraphrased that already and and stole, stole your question right out of my mouth and already answered it for you. So hopefully that answers your question, Forgotten Pompey Goals. All right, let's move on. We spoke to Tash from Charlton Live. To discuss the impending game of doom against Charlton, the game that a lot of Pompey fans have been signposting, benchmarking, whatever you want to call it, the potential team success and how the run's going. Is this the game to unravel the unbeaten streak? Well, we're going to find out. So here's Tash from Charlton Live. All right, I'm here with Tash Everett from the Charlton Live podcast. And Tash, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Hi guys, thanks for having me.
0: No, thanks for coming on. It's an eagerly anticipated fixture for Pompey fans. Obviously, <laughs> we are absolutely rubbish against you historically, but first, before we get into how we're playing, how did you guys think for the season? Did you think this would be a season where you guys could, you know, push for the playoffs?
1: I think it's it's a hard question because in the summer, I would have liked to have said yes because we had a change of ownership. And we had the same manager from... Last season, Dean Holden, uh, the transfer window was largely positive. To be honest with you, we got rid of a lot of players that we didn't need anymore, weren't working for us. And the people that we signed, I was quite impressed with. So I thought, yeah, great. And then, uh, uh, as you know, in proper Charlton fashion, we had like four losses in the first five. So it didn't quite go to plan. But yeah, uh, in in the summer, I, I, I thought... You know, I think for Charlton, and it's the same, I'm sure, with Pompey and other bigger sides in, in League One, like Barnsley and Derby, the aim is to go up. So I think if you go into the season with any other expectation, you're kind of doing it wrong. So, yeah, promotion was the aim.
3: <laughs> Has that goalpost now moved? Because like looking at the table, you are only, what, five points off the playoffs and got a game in hand on Stevenage, who currently sit in sixth. So have the goalposts moved for you guys now then, based off that poor start of the season?
1: Yeah, that's definitely made me feel more positive than I was (laughs) last Sunday night. But yeah, no, I don't think it's changed too much. I mean, obviously we are, I seem to feel myself saying this every season, but I feel like we're playing catch up slightly again. I know it's only 15 games in, but I mean, you can see the difference for yourself, you guys in the dizzy heights and we're, we're like, what, like 14, 15 points off you. So that's quite a lot of ground to make up and it's expecting the teams above us to drop off at some miraculous pace. So yeah. It's I don't it's not done, definitely not, because I think even when we got promoted in 2019, twenty nineteen, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, um, we didn't have like an unbelievable start. I think it was after Christmas time really that things really picked up. So you know, now would be the time to, to go for it. And there's definitely, you know, I'm sure you guys would agree and I feel like everyone said this, but the league certainly isn't as strong as it has been in the last couple of seasons. So same as you guys, if you're if you if going to do it, now's the season to do it, isn't it? So, yeah, ho- hopefully we can still push for it. But, <laughs> yeah.
2: Look at that chance quad. There are so many players who look as if they've got a lot of individual quality to them. Obviously, Alfie May at front with 11 goals, mm-hmm. exceptional goal scorer, Corey Blackett-Taylor, who I really like as <laughs> an attacking winger. Why do you think it hasn't clicked together then? Because every time I look at Charlton's squad, I just think, surely surely on paper at the very least, that they've got the squad to contend for the playoffs, surely?
1: Yeah, you're, you're completely right. On paper, it, it does look good. Um, I think uh, the issues we've we've been quite unlucky with injuries, actually, and I think that was partly... Dean Holden's downfall at the start of the season and we didn't have Miles Lieber when we started our striker uh, that played against you um, in January Uh, we didn't have Chucks and EK there's a number of players that would have really probably had us have much more positive starts of the season that we're missing Um, I also think whilst we did have like a very positive window on the hull I do think there were areas that we did kind of Leave a gap in. We brought in Lloyd Jones, a uh, defender from Cambridge, and he's done fantastically. Um, but I think we are missing that second centre back. Uh, Michael Hector takes the place at the moment. But unfortunately for him, on, on his says he's great and he has put in some good performances this season, but he does have that thing within him where he does drop a clangour uh, quite often. Uh, he's one of those players uh, that, you know, he gets the ball and you, you kind of hold your breath a bit hoping that he's going to do the right thing. Uh, so there's some holes in the squad that I would say aren't quite filled. And I think that's been our issue. Uh, like when we do have those injuries, there's not really many people to turn to. Like we've relied on um, for the last few months having Terrell Thomas, who's a natural centre-back at left-back and he's never played there in his career. So it's little things like that. Um, not to blame it solely on on the defence that has been our major issue but yeah I think there's been a number of reasons why it's not really worked but yeah that's that's, that's us so far
3: In terms of form obviously both of our clubs are coming in off quite wonderful fa cup results at the weekend with us losing to chesterfield <laughs> talk to me about that. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah
3: oh that's what i've been looking forward to asking you to be honest with you <laughs> yeah. uh, the the dizzy heights of, of cray valley you know the powerhouses of english football awesome. you made like what was it like eight or nine or was it all 11 changes it or something? Was, it was 11 league?
1: it was 11 yeah but
3: at the same time they are is it eight tiers below League yes. one they sit what the- happened?
1: Yeah, they're in the eighth tier, but there's 117 places between us. So if we'd have lost that game, and if we lose the replay, um, it's the biggest FA Cup upset in history. Like I think that the worst one is Newcastle. Oh, who did they have? I can't forget who they were playing now. But yeah, they 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 currently have the worst one. Uh, But we'll take that crown if we lose. So yeah,
3: there's no such thing as a bad record, right? (laughs) uh, What actually went wrong? Because I'm assuming that the team you put out weren't. You know, complete reserves not within sight of the first team. So yeah, what happened?
1: Well, it's quite funny, actually. Um, our under eighteens played them not too long ago, I think in the summer. Um, I think, and they beat them. They they beat Cray Valley, our under eighteens. So you kind of go into the game. I understand with Appleton, he's probably thinking, well you know, the the players that I bring in, they should be good enough to beat an eighth tier side that a lot of them probably don't even get paid for playing football, for God's sake. So, you know, we kind of turned to... We made 11 changes. Um, We turned to players that were, A, either coming back from injury, B, had kind of just been... On the peripheries of the squad, not getting any minutes, um, or it was kids, but not. But to be honest with you, I I say that, but that we didn't actually start any like youngsters that hadn't really been playing in the first team this season. Um, but by that, I'm I'm kind of suggesting that there wasn't really any leaders in there, and I think by making those eleven changes, you think, okay, well, you know, these are players that we brought in, in the last couple of seasons; they should be fine. Yeah, ha- they have the experience; they should be able to do this. But unfortunately, taking those all those 11 out and putting people in that A, hadn't played with each other at all, or B, were coming back from injuries so weren't at their best anyway, was kind of just asking asking for trouble really. And then you don't have those people that can know how to bring the side back into it. And then obviously, you know, Cray Valley equalised after half-time. And it, it was quite funny. I, I was working in the office um, and so I watched the first half on TV and then I went and got the train to the valley, which is like 10, 15 minutes away. And as I came in the turnstile, I just heard the way end <laughs> explode. And I thought, of course that happens. <laughs> so it seems like I'm in. But um, yeah, it, we then had to obviously resort to bringing people on that Appleton would have wanted to rest, like Alfie May and, and Lee uh, Louis Watson, who's on loan from Luton. And But they couldn't, they couldn't get anything out of it either. Uh, and yeah, so it's just a bit of a mess really. <laughs>
0: Looking at your midfield generally, I'm quite interested because Appleton tends to play quite a passing, sort of short passing, sort of like style, control possession, you know, create chances in the opposition half. You've got quite a young midfield, did not you, with, you know, Tyrese Campbell, Louis Watson, who you just mentioned there, and then sort of like George Dobson playing that sort of central role. Uh, How important is stopping George Dobson to how you play in the centre of midfield? I'm a little bit surprised he hasn't got more assists for you as well as, as that sort of playmaker in the middle.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I'm i the same. I'm surprised he's not got as many goal contributions, but he he does create a lot, a lot of our moves. If you watch the highlights, he might not get the assist, but he'd probably be the person before that that's creating it and driving it through the middle. Um, and obviously from a defensive perspective, he's vital as well, particularly because our defence has been that shaky this season. It has let us down quite a lot and he has been that key in the middle. Um, but what I will say is he's probably not the only midfielder that you want to kind of keep an eye on at the weekend I'd say Louis Watson since he's come in he's kind of taken that pressure off Dobbo's shoulders a bit and kind of helped him you know not not have to be right sat in the middle of, of everyone coming through in the passing traffic and and vice versa so yeah I think he's definitely key but I would say Louis Watson is another one that you need to keep your eye on
2: Has Appleton managed to galvanise the squad a little bit since coming in I assume that. Fans would be appreciative of that because of the rebounding performances a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I think you know, being fair to Dean Holden, I think uh, a lot of players came back from injury after Appleton came in. So the players I mentioned, an Ek and Lieber, and they came back. And it's it's no surprise when like both of them, but particularly an Ek, if he didn't wasn't as injury prone as he is, um, we he would not be in this league. Like no way. I, I don't think he's played against you guys for the last couple of games is he's always been injured but anyone that, that that goes up against Chucks and Nico is like bloody hell like he does just orchestrate everything wins every ball he is he is key
0: how do you think you're going to approach the game apart from with absolute confidence that you're going to beat Pompey again a lot of our fans have basically benchmarked this game yeah so as long so when we've been sort of like winning games and you know this unbeaten runs been going on in the league etc mm. everyone's like okay but if we could actually not lose or who knows, actually beat Charlton, then even the most cynical of fans are going to sort of like come on side, I suppose, in this game. So do you think Charlton are just going to come into this game full of confidence, hoping that they're going to just easily get three points or I know it's not really Appleton say style to do that, but Mm -hmm. do you think this is going to be a game that you guys can just play with freedom and just with that sort of confidence, you're going to get three points?
1: I think it's funny because I think psychologically I'd like to say yes because of the record that we have at, at your place and like last year or sorry in January feels like last year but January we came off the back of a, a horrible run and probably some of the worst football I've seen for a while and then suddenly we just turn up and I think. You'd like to think that after the result on Sunday, where you had a lot of first teamers that couldn't cope with an eighth tier side, I mean, what a way to turn it around to go to Fratton Park and and win and you know that hopefully there's no reason we we can't do that. Um, But yeah, there's a Pompey fan at my work actually, and and he said to me, uh, it's called Owen, and he said, you know, if we actually manage to beat you, then I, I will believe that we, we're going up because if we actually finally break that curse <laughs> against you, then that's a great sign. Um But yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past Charlton to not do anything this season, but still managed to beat you. But equally, you know, I'm, I'm realistic, you are top of the league and our form away from home hasn't been great. Um, we won once, which is at Wigan last time out. So it's taken us till like November to get a win away from home. So that'll definitely play a part. Um, whether that confidence is now built up off of that result, I don't know, but. Yeah, we'll see, but it'll definitely be a big indicator if you DP us.
2: I mean, looking at the past games, I think out of the last 10 games between Pompey and Charlton, Charlton have won seven of them. So a lot of Pompey fans aren't really confident at all, to be honest. Yeah.
3: <laughs> In terms of style and what we can expect from, from you guys at the weekend then, the game last year at the Valley, I just remember firstly an immense feeling of regret for, for going to the game. And then secondly... Just us being essentially destroyed for pace. I think our Danny Cowley set the team up badly for about the first 45 minutes or so. And by the time halftime came around and he fixed it, we were 2-0 down, yeah. made an adjustment, the stable door after the horse had bolted kind of thing. Is it that sort of pacey game looking to isolate centre-backs and potentially run at what might be a second-choice centre-back for us starting, like Sean Raggett, which is what happened last time. Is that what we can expect from from someone like Blackett Taylor? Because I remember him putting the fear of God into me last time we were at the Valley.
1: Yeah, Blackett Taylor loves playing against Pompey. Um, But yeah, no, I think... I think yes. I think we still do like playing from the wings, but a lot of what we've been trying to do this season is, is play through the middle, but i go long balls, which hasn't worked for us the majority of the time because if we, a lot of the time we play Alfie May up front. Um, but unfortunately, if you stick a tall centre-back on Alfie May, bless him, he's not the tallest striker you could ever find. It's just immediately cancelled out. I mean, we played Bolton and Santos, their centre-back, is about six foot, like six. Like, he's huge. And just, I was told that we were starting one up front and it was Alfie May and I thought, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> Lo and behold, he lost 2-0. So, but um, Alfie May likes playing off the shoulder. I don't know where... I honestly, I can't tell you what we're going to play at the weekend because we've had a bit of a mix. Um, we've even been putting strikers out on the wing because we want to play that that system of having those those nippy wingers. I'm sorry to say, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think it might be slightly different this time. Maybe not fully always coming from the wings like before. Like I remember. Ratsaki uh, scored against you in January. And obviously that came from the wing, the, the Paloslone. But I think we do have a slightly different shape to us this time. I think we're more successful when we play from the wing. And so I think because we've had that success against you before, maybe that's what to, to, what to expect.
0: We're going to try and play. We play best basically when our fullbacks can get up higher up the pitch. We can get mm-hmm. the team forward. We'll try and play out, etc. And then when, when we actually manage to get our left backs, right backs, etc. attacking, providing the overlap and, and getting forward. That's when we're at our best and creating good chances. So I'm a little bit worried though, that a little bit of overconfidence there, we'll try and get round you. We'll try and get our left and right backs forward. So potentially on the break, Charlton are going to have quite a few chances. If they can feed it through to someone like Blackett Taylor, then direct running mm. and talking about fear. I'm terrified of Alfie May against <laughs> the matchup against Sean Raggett, because Regan Paul getting injured in a cup game at Chesterfield starting for Wales and then the replacement of Sean Ragger who playing on the shoulder he can barely turn in five seconds let alone sort of track back in that sense so yeah the two areas I can see for any Charlton fans listening <laughs> wide on the break and then just through the middle really for yeah. Alfie May because we do not have a lot of pace at the back. And I should
3: say now, now Hugh's given away our Achilles heel, which is probably not the best. It's probably the worst kept secret on the Zoom call. That, of course, what are, uh, what's the equivalent for, for Charlton this weekend?
1: I, I'd honestly say the same thing, to be honest with you. It's, it's our center backs and, and potentially, I mean. The left wing has been a problem for us this season. It was a problem, massive problem against Bolton because, as I say, we was it's not his fault because he's played out of position. But Thomas was at left back and he's not a left back, um, and Bolton obviously knew that, so they exposed that area. But I think um, Ty Eden, who was at Blackburn last season, we we bought him in the summer, and I think he if he's playing at left back, I'll feel <laughs> a lot more, you know, like safe with that. Um, but yeah, I think. With the centre backs, that's what we've had at the moment, and like uh, there's been so many times where we've lost possession, and the centre backs have lost possession, and they have just come in and scored. The opposition just come in and scored. So I think that's that would be our Achilles' heel, <laughs> definitely.
3: Is that from you trying to play it around the back, uh, the back yes. four yes. against the high press?
1: Yes. Or,
3: okay, great news. <laughs> yeah. That bodes
2: well. <laughs> so who's going to be the key man in this Charlton side? Who's going to Take the game at part, do you think?
1: It's hard. I do think if we can utilize, I don't I know you asked for one, but I'm gonna say two. Um, if we can utilize Alfie May and Blackett Taylor in particular, I think then then I feel very positive. I think sometimes it's not his fault, but Alfie May can just get completely cancelled out of the game. And it's quite difficult. We played him in a 10 for a while, actually, whilst an Ek was fit and we've had an Ike out of front and May in a 10, which obviously is not his natural position, but it actually allowed him to drift out a little bit at times and kind of like took the defence by surprise, so that worked quite well. But, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes without saying. If, if Blackett Taylor's having a good day, then <laughs> yeah, you know what's going to happen. And he actually, from the last time we played you and the times before, Blackett Taylor's now added an end product to his game. Like, he's very good at getting into great positions and, and, and being quick, but... He now has a finish on him as well. So I'm sure he'll want to carry that on.
0: Nothing to worry about there then, Pompey fans. <laughs> Not only is he just like skinning us on the wing and putting the ball in the box, you can actually score goals as well. So <laughs> there we go. I mean, I know where my money's going on the, at the weekend for a bet, but here we go. All right, let's just round this off quickly. I want to know your score prediction, please, for the game on Saturday against Pompey. Or
1: oh. I do think we'll both score. I do think that. I mean, because even last time when we came on New Year's Day, like, you know, obviously you guys scored the equaliser and I was like, oh, God. But yeah, I think, oh, I am going to go for a Charlton win. Just, you know, just because if I say we're going to lose them, we probably won't end up losing. So I'm going to be positive. But I would say because we scored a lot of goals this season, even like, I think there's only been a handful of games where we've not managed to score, but like not so much away from home, but yeah, we have high scoring games. So I'm going to go for three, two Challen
0: And I forgot, but I should have asked you for any goal scorers. I let you off too it easily. Then people yeah, pick me so, up on that
1: obviously I know it's very obvious, but Colby Bishop, obviously like that man absolutely terrifies me. So <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, from Charlton, alpha mate always bags a goal. Um, gonna go blackett taylor and i'll go lee burn as well
0: all right we'll see we'll see on this one it's not one i'm overconfident on we'll chat about it in a minute but (laughs) tash thanks for coming on the show why don't you tell people where they can find your show as well i know andy's coming on it tomorrow
1: yeah, so thanks for having me on. But yeah, child Live is just at Charlton Live on Twitter if you want to look, follow us on there. Or we, our YouTube channel is the same, just child Live. And we're live every Thursday and Sunday. So if you win it the weekend and you want to laugh, then feel free to come on child Live on Sunday.
3: We're more than happy to do a repeat <laughs> appearance on the Sunday uh, after the Thursday show if we get the three points, but very much not happy
0: to if we don't. And if you're still in that sort of like cynical camp then and you're happy that we haven't won for some weird twisted reason, you can check it out as well. But Tash, thank you for coming on the podcast. We much appreciate it. Have a cool evening.
1: Oh, thank you guys. You too.
0: Thanks, Tash, for coming on the podcast. It's quite a lot to unpack there, isn't it? Interested to see about Alfie May, how he sets up, how maybe Sean Ruggett could even be a force against him. But let's be honest. Boys, how do you think we're going to line up against Charlton? Do you feel like this is going to be the game to end the streak?
2: I'm not really confident at all, to be honest, and I'm not sure why. I think a lot of it is down to the fact that the way Charlton play and the way they score goals hits Pompey's defensive weakness a lot. The fact that they've got pace on the wings, they're very direct. They focus on low crosses and through balls. They put the ball down the channel for a striker who likes to run the channel and then likes those run-on-one chances, I think it's going it's to cause Pompey a lot of problems, especially with pull-out injured. I think it's massive. For Pompey to get a grip on the game, they simply have to keep possession and control the pace of it. I know we said, I said that against Chesterfield, but it's so important to do that in this game as well, especially at home. They can't let the game run away from them we saw it against Charlton twice last season. Whenever Charlton had a lot of joy in the wide areas, they were able to complete to create high quality chances. So if Pompey keep the ball in the middle, are able to spread Charlton's defence, and so it's not packed in in the penalty area and putting a lovely cross of Bishop. We should be fine, but I am not confident at all. To be honest, I think that might be just be but over cynicism from my part.
0: Andy, what do you think about? forgotten Pompey Gold's idea that Freddie brutally ripped off him and tried to claim as his own idea. Putting Ben Stevenson into the pivot there with Joe Morrell pushing Alex Robertson forward. Do you feel like that's the way forward in this game? A little bit more of a centre-field p- uh, pairing sort of in the three rather than maybe playing someone a bit further high?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think our ability to to move the ball forward centrally is going to be very important because I don't think... We can overcommit in the wide areas for reasons that we've just got into to do with the wide threat that Charlton pose. I don't think we can overcommit out wide. Uh, otherwise, we're going to get caught out in the same way we were in one game earlier this season at Fratton before Messino sort of fixed the problem. So, I think what Forgotten Pompey goals outlined there is possibly what I would go with. I think yeah, that's the short answer. I think that's a, a sensible way of going about it.
0: Blackett-Taylor tends to play down the left-hand side of the three. Usually, I'd say that we're pretty well stocked at right back, aren't we? Whether Rafty plays there or Swanson plays there. Obviously, Rafty had a little bit of an off game against Chesterfield. Fred, do we just sort of write this off and assume that you know it's, it's a sort of bad day, I suppose, there and that we should be a little bit more confident with someone like Joe Rafty marking Corey Blackett-Taylor?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't think Swanson had a great game either in that Chesterfield game. So both of the right backs didn't cover themselves in glory, really. But no, Rafferty's the slightly more defensive player. He should, and he's not slow, he should be able to at least cover or track Blackett Taylor to a certain degree. I just wish Blackett Taylor was a Pompey player. Imagine having him on the left wing. That would be the final piece of the puzzle, I think.
0: You love Blackett Taylor, don't you? Little
2: He has five goals and five assists this season. How can you not like a winger who's doing that?
0: It's not just this season, though, is it, Freddie? It's going back through the ages. A little cheeky smile always appears in your face when you mention <laughs> go, go, Yeah,
2: go, going back to 3-0 defeat of the Valley, and then the 3-1 defeat of Fratton Park. Oh,
0: God. Horrible memories. Freddie was the only person who was smiling when Blackett Taylor was playing well against us due to his general love of Blackett Taylor, <laughs> even if one people were doing shit. <laughs>
2: That's a slight exaggeration, though.
0: It's true. Andy, what do you think we can do to be played differently against Charlton than we usually do? All right, this is a different team. Okay. But we've seen it through the ages when we've just been unstuck by them. And Appleton is a manager that I do rate. I do like the way he likes to get people on the ball and play through the thirds. Tash spoke about their centre backs not being particularly good. So. for me, this seems like a great opportunity for for us to get Colby Bishop imposing himself and potentially get some goals from there. I mean, it seems obvious, but it seems like it's lined up for Bishop to have a big game. Yeah, I think so. I think you're focusing
3: on two primary areas, I guess, in terms of goal conceding prevention, I think we need to line up like we did. I just had a look. It was the Peterborough game I was referring to where it was Ricky J. Jones that was having a lot of luck down that left-hand side early on when we were over-committing Swanson down the right. Uh, so I think hopefully Misenio learned his lesson from that game. Um, so defensively, we're not being exploited in the same way. Attacking-wise, as you say, if they've identified that centre-back is a problematic area for them, I mean, you'd think that plays to our strengths, right? You'd probably say that our best player on the park is our number nine. So... In theory, that's a lovely matchup. I mean, it's just such an in-depth analysis, I think. Just stop their wide players from getting in behind and then score loads of goals with our number nine. It's an easy game. Advanced Tactical Analysis 101.
0: Hancock would be proud. He's always proud of you, Andy. Freddie, have you got any more sort of basic analysis then on, to add on to Andy's advanced analytics he was just talking about?
2: No, I think he's summed up very well, actually. What's up the what Pompey needs to do to win the game. analyse
0: Chartons, weaknesses. Yeah. If only things were so simple. All right, let's round this podcast off then. Unless you've got something to say, Andy.
3: Not overly. I just think this is I think if we somehow get three points from this game, it's on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's
3: so on. It's on. It's so <laughs> on, boys. Uh, with 30 games left in the season. It's so on. Uh no, I think looking at form guides, etc., I think we've got some of our good games out the way but in terms of the the form teams at the moment who are just hitting form in the last few matches. So obviously Bolton are the elephant in the room who are hitting their straps as we knew they would. But other than that, the other form teams, we're second in the form table for the last four games. Wigan, we've already beaten. Barnsley, we've already beaten. Burton, we've still got to come. Peterborough, we've already beaten. Lincoln, we've already beaten. Barely remember that game but I think we won it 2-1, 3-1 I want to say at home and we've drawn against Derby away and then Charlton a 10th in the league table so we've played most of the form teams in the league who are hitting their straps at the moment already uh, albeit after 15 games when there's only 23 other teams in the league but it's on. (laughs) Bring the positivity. Can we just call next week's episode it's on if we've picked up three points this week that'd be great. We definitely can. We're going to get absolute pelters from people if we do that, Andy. But I mean, you're talking to someone who got called a seven stone rat this week. So uh, if I'm getting pelters compared to that, then things have gone downhill. So Yeah, exactly.
0: And you're not a rat, Andy. You
3: no, were... I, I was wondering if like they'd Googled me and seen a photo of Gida or something. I don't know, who is literally a rodent. But uh, I've been called worse. I've been called better, but I've definitely been called worse. But uh, yeah, right. I was gonna say there are some angry people on the internet. Who knew? What I did was I asked him not to call someone a fat see you next Tuesday in the comments. That was uh, that was my indiscretion that was clearly out of line.
0: Yeah. Before we ask for our score predictions, I meant to do this at the start of the podcast. So I might as well do it while I remember. But thank you, Carl Collins, for donating some money on buymeacoffee.com. We really appreciate it. It was a super generous donation. We all love you. Appreciate that, Carl. Yeah, um, thank you, Kyle. Yeah. We very much appreciate yes, it. Thank you. Good man. Amazing. And it's going to go towards our new intro that we're making, which we've obviously got the best man in the business helping us out with that. One Mr. Christopher Proud. Proudy, being on the show. So Andy, to answer your question, he's waiting for the the voiceover stuff, which I'm still still chasing. Gotcha. Because you messaged me earlier on. Can this be a new thing?
3: Can this be a new thing where I send you a private WhatsApp earlier in the day and then you answer it publicly to however many thousand listeners that'd be? That'd be fantastic. I can ask some quite revealing questions that you
0: have to answer in public. I could get on board with this. I'm all for it as well. And Freddie, no, she said no. Unless <laughs> <What? laughs> I
3: guess we could do like truth or dare, never have I ever, that sort of thing. That's it.
0: I like that. Okay, let's wrap this up. Boys, I want your score prediction, please. Andy Moore for the game on Saturday against Charlton. I'm going to preemptively strike
3: against Freddie's negativity. I will go with it's on, uh, a 2-1 Pompey win. I think both teams are coming out with a bit of a point to prove. As we touched on in the Charlton preview, wasn't exactly a weekend that covered us in glory, either team. So, uh, yeah, lots of points to prove there. I think home advantage if we can start fast, how many times have we said that on the podcast before? If we can start fast and get through that half an hour danger period at the start, then things are looking good. And we also need a two-goal cushion because Charlton have come from behind quite a few times this season. So they've also thrown away leads a few times this season, but they are quite a good team at coming from a goal down. So I do think we need a two-goal cushion. I will not be comfortable if we're one up with 25 minutes to go. But uh, what did I say? 2-1 win. We'll go with 2-1 win.
0: And for the second time today, I've not asked for any goal scorers, which is annoying because I usually do that as just like a standard thing, asking for things. So, any Mitchmore, any goal scorers, please? Robertson Bishop. And there we go. Freddie Webb, what are you saying? I'm going to be slightly negative, but not too negative, I don't think.
2: I'm going to go with a two-all draw. I'm going to go with a Corey Blackett-Taylor brace for Charlton, for obvious reasons. And then I'm going to go with... A Robertson goal because I still think he's due and he will score eventually. And I will go with Abu Kamara. He's going to continue his goal scoring for
0: Yeah. I'm I'm trying to go head versus heart here. That's what I'm thinking. Because my heart says we're going to lose 3-0. Why not? Why not? It's Charlton. <laughs> it's going to happen. But let's be honest. I'm going to put my head back on here. Look how we're playing. Try and be a little bit analytical. I'm going to go with a complete opposite here, but Charlton will score. I'm thinking I'm going to go with a 3-1 Pompey win. There you go. I'm going to flip-flop my my concerns, my worries, and all that kind of stuff around. But I still think Charlton will get a goal. So I'm going to go 3-1, mainly because Andy went 2-1. I want to be different. So 3-1 Pompey win. I'm going to go with a goal from Bishop, a goal from Robertson as well, and a goal from Abu Kamara to make it 3.
3: I don't think anyone that's ever met both of us would ever accuse you of not being different to me. I think in pretty much every way, shape and form, we're essentially the polar opposites, which uh, you could argue either makes this podcast work or really not. But we've got some listeners, so maybe the former. You know what they say, Andy, don't you? Opposites attract. Opposites attract, yeah. Something along those lines. (laughs) It works for me. You're cute.
0: Oh, I get room for you too. Christ. Don't get jealous, Freddie. (laughs) And on that sweet note, Eddie Mitch Mitchmore, it's been great having you on the podcast. Always a
3: pleasure, never a chore. Looking forward to next week's episode. Well, we can just start it with, it's on. It's so on. It's on, boys. I'm buzzing this time next week. Easy.
0: Here we go. <laughs> Freddie's been great having the podcast, mate.
2: Aye, uh, thanks you. It would be a pleasure. And yes, we're we're at two episode two hundred and one now, and we're going to get to two hundred fifty very soon, hopefully.
3: I' also like just as we end that we are a, a league one football podcast and we've gone through an hour and however long none of us have mentioned that the team second in the league have had their manager walk out on them I'm glad that we've covered that
0: no one uh, cares about Oxford that's why oh uh, well, well, yeah, yeah
2: their, their stadium has free stands no that just mentioned not for
0: long Fred not for, Fred. not for not for long the, no, they're actually
2: the building one Christ
0: the Kidlington
3: Stadium is on its way or summertown God. I think it is but uh yeah probably of more interest to me as it'll be about a 25 30 minute walk from my flat
2: um so well, to, to, to be fair Liam manning told the squad he was leaving apparently over zoom it was reported so that's definitely going to go down well isn't it good
3: yeah. man anyway we've done our goodbyes bye everyone <laughs> and until next time
0: they are Pompey. you have been listening to the po forecast for Pompey news now available on soundcloud spotify and apple podcasts Follow PO Forecast at Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information.
1: And there is the full
2: time whistle!